our scripture text this morning comes from Psalm 37. I'll skip around a bit, but the verses come between verse 1 and verse 31. Listen for a word from God. Do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in God, and God will act. The Lord will make your vindication shine like the light and the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for God. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way, over those who carry out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look diligently for their place, they will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Our steps are made firm by the Lord when God delights in our way. Though we stumble, we shall not fall headlong, for the Lord holds us by the hand. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak justice. The law of God is in their hearts. Their steps do not slip. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So delight. I have been very delighted by our music today. Thank you so much. What a gift. Delight is this wonderful topic that some of us have shared about already in adult education. We were uh, speaking about this book by Ross Gay, The Book of Delights. And it's this wonderful collection of essays written by this man who did this spiritual practice of noticing one thing every day that delighted him and then writing about it. And he started this project on his birthday, and for a whole year, the year he turned 42, he picked something to write about that delighted him, and he wrote in a notebook by hand, and he crafted it into this book of essays, and it in itself is delightful. So this book uh, came out a few years ago now, and I first heard of it from Emily Anderson, our former seminary intern and invitational ministries coordinator, And she had loved it, I read it and loved it, and I was so inspired by it that I thought I would love to start that practice. I want to write about things that delight me every day. And so like many great intentions, it began with a notebook, and I pulled out this very cute notebook that I called Sarah's Notebook of Delights, and I was going to do just exactly what Ross Gay did and write about different delights that I encountered. And so I got the book out, and the first day I had it, and um, it was on my kitchen table, and, uh, you know, I was about to start, and then I thought of something I had to do, and another thing I had to do, and so I started a to-do list in the notebook instead. I thought, well, I'm just going to jot this down here, then I'll get to the delights, and I, you know, started my to-dos. 
Needless to say, I did not write any delights that day. I kind of forgot about it. A couple weeks later, I got it out and remembered and had intention again, and I put it on my bedside table this time. And that day, I got a phone call with some really hard news. And suddenly, my mind and my heart were filled with worry, and there was not a lot of space for delight. So it sat there on my bedside table for a while. And then eventually, I actually wrote my very first delight in the notebook. And I think I was feeling pressure because Ross Gay has this beautiful language and he's, he's a poet at heart and he speaks with just such wonderful words. And so I started to write a little detail about what the thing was that gave me delight. And I stopped halfway through and said to myself, this feels so cheesy. It reminded me of this uh, book that I had gotten uh, during my er, at my high school graduation, and it was called A Thousand and One Things to Be Happy About. And it was kind of one of those hallmarky, gimmicky books that had, you know, flowers on the cover. And it was, it was cute, but it was super just cheesy and commercialized. So I remember writing in my first entry of Delights and thinking, this just falls kind of flat. And I put it down again. And I remember being other places and noticing delights, but not having the notebook with me. And needless to say, the notebook stayed mostly empty and the practice fell flat. It turns out that even when we try to be intentional, there is a lot that can get in the way of delight. Psalm 37 that we just read is traditionally attributed to David, and it speaks of a time of high anxiety and stress, a time when it might feel hard to notice delights. The situation seems to be that there is a lot of worry and frustration that the evil things of the world, that the wicked people of the world are actually doing doing really well and all of the good people, the people who are trying to be faithful and stay close to God are struggling. Some people call Psalm 37 a psalm of theodicy, a psalm that wrestles with the biggest questions we all have. Where is God when good people suffer? Where is God when wicked people seem to get everything they want and need? Where is God when rich people just seem to get richer? Where is God when honest, faithful, amazing people die trying to get to a better life? Where is God when caregivers get sick? Where is God when power-hungry abusers are put in positions of great influence and power? Where is God? The psalmist was asking these questions, and we still ask questions like this today. Where is God in struggle? Where is God? When we're faced with those challenges and questions and hurts of humanity, we wonder where to turn or what step to take. And we're not alone when we ask those questions. Even very deeply spiritual leaders have asked these questions of doubt and struggle and where is God? People like Mother Teresa 
and Martin Luther and Pope Francis and C.S. Lewis all asked these questions of theodicy of where can God be when good people are hurting? Know that if you are asking these questions, you are in good company. So you'll notice when you flip through Bibles that often psalms have a sort of title or a subheading under them. And these were not written by the original poets, the original authors, um, but added in later by editors. And sometimes they're really sort of helpful lens, a way for us to look at the psalm. And there's a title for Psalm 37 that's really interesting to me. The title is Exhortation to Patience and Trust. Exhortation to Patience and Trust. Now, when we're in moments of theodicy crisis, being told to be patient and trust is sometimes the last thing we want to hear. It's kind of like being told to calm down when you're really fired up about something. It just doesn't work. I think I would have titled this psalm something different. I think my title might have been Search for Delight. Did you notice the word delight came up three times in that psalm? Delight in God. The Lord delights in you. The wicked will not last. The righteous will delight in true abundance. Somehow, even in the midst of these biggest questions, the psalmist is telling us that turning toward delight, noticing delight, is the way to move forward. A couple of months into this project, the Book of Delights project, Ross Gay said that he started feeling like delight was a muscle that was getting a workout. He said, I can feel my delight muscle getting stronger. I'm noticing many, many, many more delights than when I first began this project. He said it was almost like things were jumping out at him all day saying, write about me, write about me, write about me, and that he would have to quietly tell so many delights, not today, but good job, delight. He was noticing them everywhere. It was like this delight muscle was getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and his days were filled with more joy. Now, he's quick to note that this didn't mean life was easy and everything was wonderful. There were still very hard things going on. Life was life. But somehow, there was more joy around it all. Roske talks about delight being deeply connected to pain and to hurt and to loss and even to death. It isn't just happy-go-lucky observations like that thousand and one things to be happy about. Delight somehow is deeper. And he said after observing for a few months how many delights were coming, it was almost like he was waking up to the world in a new way. Waking up to God's delight in him in a new way. Our world is not really set up in a way for us to exercise the delight muscle very easily. The news, 
social media are meant to exercise fear muscles or comparison muscles, and even the way our brains are wired and our language is structured, we are more set up for negativity than we are for delight. And so it requires intentionality to work out the delight muscle. We usually think of delight as simply something that brings pleasure. But it was so interesting me, to me to read that the Hebrew word delight, the root of it actually means to be soft or pliable, to be delicate. And immediately in our culture, that kind of screams negativity, weakness, softness, oh, it's just so bad. But I think it's actually very, very beautiful. To be delighted is to be soft enough to let yourself be affected by something. To let your life in the present realize that you're not invincible. To wake up and recognize that we can notice God even in the ordinary. It takes courage to be soft enough to delight. I think God shows us the way over and over in scripture. God delights in making clothing for the first humans when they feel shame. God delights in turning water to wine to extend a wedding celebration feast. God delights in the presence of his friends and washes their feet even the night that the empire came to arrest him and crucify him. God delights in the number of hairs on your head and the breath in your lungs and the cares of your heart. And we are called to delight in God, to be still and wait and wake up to the world around us. Noticing the things that God created, noticing the humanity all around us, noticing what it feels like to be alive. Delight in itself might not answer all of the big questions we have, all of the theodicy questions about suffering, but it will point to a God that delights and knows us in the midst of them. Delight will allow us to act out the true kind of justice. Roske says that we usually think of fighting when we think of justice, and there is an element of that, but ultimately at its root, justice should be about lifting up the things that delight us, the things that we love, the things that we know are important, important and gathering people around those things that we love enough to make a change. Justice is a practice of delight. So the first step, if we are to be people of justice, is to notice the things that we delight in and then to try to bring more of that into the world. So this little notebook here, I think, has a total of three delights in it and probably seven to-do lists right now. But I did find a practice that um, worked a little better for me that I wanted to share. I was reintroduced to it when I heard an interview with Roske a couple of months ago, and I remembered my failed project and sort of was able to laugh at myself, and I decided, well, what do you already do that you could sort of integrate a delight practice into? So I started doing two things. The first was um, to jot little notes in my calendar 
I'm one of those people who lives by my paper calendar to-do list planner. And I love, I keep them. They're almost like journals to remember where I was and what I was doing and what was important in my life. And so on each day, I started to just write a little sentence, not an essay, just a little sentence about something I saw that delighted me. And already in a couple months, it's been so fun to look back and remember where I was and what brought joy and where I was. And the other thing I started doing was uh, taking pictures using my phone and noticing a moment, and if it's not disruptive to the moment, I snap a picture when I am experiencing that feeling of delight. And I even created a separate folder in my photos on my phone called Delight, and I started putting them in there so that I can remember visually these things that have brought that feeling to me. Here's just three of them. One uh, happened right up here, and it's something I've shared about. It brings delight every time. When we do weddings at Fort Street, I delight in that moment when the partner standing here watches the one that they love walk down the aisle. Everyone is looking this way and so excited for the grand entrance, but I am always looking at the one who's welling up with tears and smiling and just getting so giddy. I have goosebumps talking about it right now. That moment gives me delight. I was walking uh, at sunset not long ago, and there was a beautiful, beautiful sunset, probably because of smoke and fire and all that, but we'll leave that aside for now. It was a beautiful sunset, and that brought me delight in itself, but I noticed a bird sitting on the wire looking like it was looking at the sunset. And who knows what it was actually looking at, but I started watching the bird watch the sunset, and it gave me such delight. Naima, our daughter, is two, and she just recently learned how to count on her fingers and to show people that she is two. She used to say, I'm two, and she just put it together, and she does this now for passing of the peace, too, so she knows this is a good one, peace and two. But she, with boldness, will go to people and say, I am two. It brings me such delight. How can we be people who are bold in our softness, tipping the scales of delight as opposed to the things that keep us from noticing or feeling delight? I'd like to challenge you to begin a practice of delight a way to work out that delight muscle. Maybe for you it's writing a beautiful essay like Ross Gay, maybe it's taking a picture, maybe it's calling a friend, committing to call a friend or text a friend and tell them one thing that you delight in. But I am going to commit to continuing this delight practice through the whole summer and then to share with you all after Labor Day my montage of delights. I would love if you would join me, however you record them. How can we work out that delight muscle? Life 
is hard and struggles are real and questions of God are normal. But through it all, God delights in us. And if we slow down enough to notice and to notice the things that we delight in, we might be okay after all. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we delight in you. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and noses to smell and hands to touch all of the delights around us every day. God, when we do, let us be people who share them to let that delight be contagious like laughter. Let us reminded that you are the source of delight and love through Jesus Christ and that we have hope because of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.